Hello, my name's Heather and this is my posh boyfriend Max. Hello. And this is our podcast, Posh Things My Boyfriend Says. Hello and welcome to Posh Things My Boyfriend Says, the podcast where we talk about uh, being in a relationship and dating across the class divide in the UK. Um, Did you forget what the podcast was about for a little yeah, minute then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, give him one beer and he's just lost his head. Uh, and this was a very, very special week because this was the week that we passed 1,000 all-time listens. Uh, so thank you very much, everyone who's been listening. Uh, massively appreciated it. I hope you've been enjoying it. And we've had some very nice messages as well, which is always good. As you know, we love the correspondence. Yeah, we had a bit of a barren week for correspondence, I think, last time. So we didn't end up doing it. And then this week, we've had two official bits of correspondence. So uh, we have correspondence aplenty for later on in the episode. But this week, we thought we would tackle quite a taboo subject you know, this is what this podcast is all about. We're forging new ground. We're talking tackling about... Tackling the big issues. Tackling the big issues. We're talking about money. We're talking about North v South divide. And this week, we are talking about sex. Cue awkward silence from both of us. <laughs> even though we have sex with each other. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> so British. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is a subject that I think people uh, of my background are notoriously awkward about. Uh, and I don't think I'm any exception to that. So <laughs> this, might, this might not be our most free-flowing conversation. But we, um, this is a very scientific podcast, as you guys know. And so we kicked off uh, preparation for this with a bit of market research, um, <laughs> as part of which I went and asked the friends of mine uh, that I went to school with whether or not they'd ever had the birds and the bees chat with their parents. So great. Resounding no all around, uh, including me. I never had that chat. Um, and I don't really remember us having sort of sex head really as much of a thing at school. I was going to say, was that a sort of, you know, responsibility that was outsourced to the boarding school? Did parents just expect that that's where that conversation would be had i think that much like with their kids the parents didn't talk about this subject with the boarding <laughs> school either. um but there you know I, it's not true across the board because one of our, one of my friends that i asked did uh, have sort of the talk to a certain degree because apparently when they were a teenager they were anonymously and without any context um just left a book by their parents in their bedroom. <laughs> and this book, uh, we actually got sent a picture of it. It is amazing. It's magnificent. It's basically like the a children's guide to sex and reproduction. It's a cartoon, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's, it's one got... of those really good sort of 90s style cartoons. Yeah, I think I that's it, that. which makes sense. And it just says, Where Babies Come From is its title, with a mum wearing pink and a dad wearing blue. Amazing. And then some pretty seriously graphic pictures inside. So the good thing is, though, that those pictures, they don't use um, sort of cutesy names for it. It doesn't call the boy's penis his Winkle or something awful like that. His Winkle. His Winkle. Well, what did you call it when you were little? I don't know. Your Winky? I don't know. 
<laughs> Did you not have a name for it? I don't think so. Like, Max, don't pull on your winky. That sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you are so awkward that right was, now. That was amazing. a really terrifying vision of what it would be like to have been nagged by your mum when, <laughs> when I was a baby. <laughs> So my question to you is, did you ever have no, a foot no, all? No, 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 you don't, you're not telling me what the name was. What did you call I don't, I don't think I, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think we had a That's special. rubbish. That is to every family will have a name for your bits. When, when you're growing up, my mum used to call my vagina, my Mary or my foof. That, so you're she Mary. would be like, yeah, 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 you're Mary. That's wonderfully, um, <laughs> sacrilegious so my question to you is did you ever have the talk um yeah yeah i definitely remember my mum and i talking about um having sex and kind of using protection and the importance of that otherwise you'd end up as a teenage mother yeah, <laughs> was, important was, to know. yeah was a big part of her you know that's something that you don't want to do and don't forget, it was the sort of Blair years as well, when teenage pregnancy just seemed totally rife, and that's what everybody was worried about in society. Oh, yeah. Do you that remember that? It was, sort of, yeah. it was strangely obsessive. Yeah. It's like one of the big topics I remember from, from being a period. sort of kid, basically. And mm. um, But yeah, we did have the conversation. Um, I think by that point, we'd already been taught about it in school, though. You know, they'd, they'd roll out the TV in a video. I, I think that that's even better. This than... is primary school as well. <laughs> Year six, I think it was. Right, so about the time that most people should have been given this book. By the way, we'll put a picture of the book up on oh Instagram God, and Facebook and, and, and Twitter. Um, but yeah, like that, that doesn't seem teenagers <laughs> appropriate. So so you, you got like a video and stuff. I don't think that we really got. Yeah, and the girls stuff. got separated from the boys. So the girls got um, a kind of, uh, a session explaining what periods were, when we would get them, what we would need to do when we got them. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's actually really interesting. So I wonder whether it's still the case now. But I think it's really important that boys learn about periods and what they're there for because there's a yeah. lot of like shame around it, really, and embarrassment. You know, especially if you're a 13 year old girl and you get your period in PE class or something, and you have mm. to sort of smuggle a pad um, into the toilet. Yeah, it's just it all good. feels a little bit um a little bit taboo. So anyway, yeah, we had we were separated, gender separation and played these um played these videos, but to supplement that mum and I definitely had a conversation, but I think even at that age I was still hugely mortified by the whole thing and didn't really want to engage. Yeah, I think that that's pretty standard um, to still be mortified by it. But I just I was so interested by the fact that when I asked my friends who'd also gone to boarding <laughs> school, none of us had had the talk. Um, and I do wonder if that's a thing that the I don't know maybe like slightly posher families were a bit more aloof or, or like out of touch with that stuff or mm. a bit more awkward about it. There's supposed to be that sort of weird British stereotype that British people. Um, don't have sex, don't like sex, don't talk about it, that yeah. we're all very prude, um, which I don't think is quite the case, but may maybe that is a class difference. I think we're a bit embarrassed about talking about it, but it seems more normal now than it did when we were growing up. Um, yeah, that's think? probably right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that there is something to do with sort of 
the the very English reserve that means that you don't talk about that sort of stuff and that that characteristic is a bit more pronounced in posher people maybe mm. so it just sort of goes hand in hand that, that one uh, just get down to business <laughs> basically <laughs> carry um, on carry on the family name yeah it's, yeah Jesus. quite a bit more functional yeah I don't know I feel like maybe working class humor can sometimes be a bit more bawdy yeah that makes humor. sense yeah I think of posh people as being quite prim I guess, and mm-hmm. not up for a laugh on that sort of stuff. That might be really unfair, though. Yeah, I guess generally maybe uh, posh people are a bit more prim. I think what you have to bear in mind always is that uh, so much of this stuff can be so much more alien um, to you if you've gone to, for example, an all-boys boarding school, <laughs> <laughs> which means that you're just a lot more unfamiliar um, with a lot of it. So, you know, between mm. 13 and 18... I, um, yeah, like, was, uh, there, there was, like, a, a sort of associated all-girls school that occasionally we'd be allowed to um, have, like, socials with and stuff like that. Jesus. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's not conducive to sort of um, being very familiar with and comfortable with all of that stuff. And, yeah, girls were sort of a pretty alien mm. um, and and quite sort of scary thing for a very long time for me because of all of that. Do you think that's common across your friends as well? Or so, so is that a common feeling for boys who went to boarding school? That feeling of, oh, you know, girls are quite alien and I'm almost a bit... <laughs> A bit scared of them in a yeah, certain way. I think I think it's a lot rarer for guys who went to all, all boys boarding schools to have girls that are just friends. I don't I don't think that's such a common thing. I mean, because you know, obviously, you, a lot of the time your best friends are the people that you're at school with, and so just by default, there's not that many girls around. Mm. And then I suppose as well, one of the big things is that if you went to an all boys school, generally girls are there um, as like. Uh, romantic prospects basically it's sort of you meet up with them every now and then and obviously like the the number one thing in your mind is to try and you know get get some get some loving (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ so you um yeah so so that's that's generally how you develop the way that you think about women and girls and mm. stuff like that. So to be fair, though, I don't think that's any different in a mixed sex school. Is it not? No, like I mean, most we had a group of lads called them the lads that we hung out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were some friendships there. I think maybe a little bit, mo- a little bit more than you might have been exposed to. But more broadly, there were groups of girls and groups of boys, and they'd sometimes in- intermingle so that they could get off with each other. Um, and that was kind of about it. So right. you still, well, I certainly grew up sort of still seeing members of the opposite sex very much like members of the opposite sex. Right. Um, rather than kind of people that I would necessarily be friends with. Boys always sort of scared me a little bit, to be honest. So um, I guess just take that level of unfamiliarity well, and, and multiply it by, by like a hundred. And that's where... That um, just can't be healthy though. I've like, I well, really don't think it can be that healthy because that's half of the population then that you've delayed understanding by like five years. 
Yeah. So you're constantly behind in your understanding of the opposite sex. And it and it creates like this sense of um I don't know, kind of like the like they're forbidden. Like these girls yes. are these things that are slightly out of reach. Um and and I think that must have some really and, and strange that you can only impacts. see in like designated areas yeah. at certain times. <laughs> when you have and... socials. So it's yeah, just exactly. the reason I said Jesus was like I was just like, God, is that a bit like when you let a couple of bullocks out into a field <laughs> of some cows? Like, is that what it's like? That's pretty much uh, what it was like. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um but the the sort of the counter argument to it, I think, is that if you're a um hormonal fourteen year old boy or whatever, then if you really want to focus on other things like piano playing and Latin <laughs> and, and all that stuff, then you don't want to have the distraction of the fairer sex being around, you know, um, uh, distracting you <laughs> and and being the focus of your uh, attention instead of conjugating yeah, verbs. Maybe there's something there. I mean, personally, if we ever had kids, there's no way I'd be sending them to an all girls all girls boarding school yeah i think no no way not because of the lack of interaction with with boys although i think that's definitely part of it um and and the same thing probably applies if if we had a boy as well but i think just like all girls boarding schools i have in my head maybe it's sort of a one that's um put there by films but i have this view in my head that they're just like full of bullying and like the bitchiest place on it on earth they do seem particularly um, unpleasant, I think. I uh, don't know. So any any uh, all-girls boarding school listeners, what was it like for you there? Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know anyone who went to an all-girls boarding no, school. No, it would be so great to hear from you guys. Was it fun? Um, was it a kind of bitchy place? Were you still obsessed by boys anyway, <laughs> even though they weren't there? Right at the start of this podcast, when we were gathering ideas, I remember somebody got in touch and said, oh yeah, because there's that thing that uh, Etonians are just all boob guys, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't something that I was aware of. Why is um, that? That that definitely has sort of, I don't know, mummy issues tied yeah, up in that, uh, don't you think? It's Well, that was it. We, we thought it might be two things. Number one was, yeah, a bit of sort of mummy and abandonment, um, which is just a whole can of worms we're not qualified <laughs> to get into. But also, I think if you're just all surrounded by boys, um, then you, like, all agree, don't you? In, in, like, a really simple way when you're 13, you don't really understand what it's all about. Like, oh, boobs, that's what boys like about girls, right? Boobs, <laughs> they have to be really big, and the bigger they are, the better they are. So just, like... <laughs> <laughs> so then you just plaster it with Lucy Pinder pictures or, or whatever. I mean, boys' rooms. We, we were joking about this the other day when we were reminiscing, rooms. my friends. <laughs> there's nothing, okay, <laughs> on that point, there's nothing wrong with the way I say the word rooms. It's <laughs> it's, it's room, okay? Room. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, like boys' boarding houses were a bit mad because you would just like religiously buy stuff like the FHM top 100 sexiest and then just shred it and put all of the pictures on the wall everywhere. So did you go to Eton? And if so, are you a boob guy? You can write in anonymously. (laughs) No judgment here. Um, But yeah, I think that that might have something to do with it. That in the absence of actual women that you get to know and have their own attractions because of things like their personalities or... um, you know, more nuanced mm. things other than, than just their tits. Um, 
that's probably quite a, a simple sort of substitution that you make as a young boy that um, doesn't really have access to it. I think that uh, that was a really interesting bit for me in Normal People is mm. when Connell kind of realises that he's attracted to Marianne, even though he sort of says she's not the prettiest girl, but there was kind of something, something else about her. About her. Yeah. And it's obviously, you know, her personality and how they how they connect as two people. And I do I do think it's sort of um I don't know, I think it's a bit of a shame for boys not to clock on to that too early. Um, and has, you know, some pretty significant ramifications in society, to be honest. But to be fair, I think teenage girls are the same as well. Like, all boy obsessed. Just constantly obsessing about who you fancied most, whether they fancied you. Did they notice that you they'd that you had uh, literally straightened your hair with an iron that morning, you know? Thank you for the effort, but I'm sure that we won't have noticed. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so, sorry. question mark then. Yeah. First, like sexual experiences I wonder if these are different so first kisses my first kiss was behind the back of the tennis courts at school with a bloke well I don't say a bloke no with a boy who was my boyfriend <laughs> it's not just, some, <laughs> it's not just a random bloke <laughs> Jesus no um with a lad who was my boyfriend I was I think 13 and a half and our teeth knocked together and he had braces and I was wearing too much lip gloss and it was like the whole washing machine experience which everybody has been through. <laughs> but if you were at an all boys school, does do those first moments come later or do those sort of strange socials with the associated girls school like Yeah, they just about get give you, there. you those opportunities. So, so you pretty much just described my experience as well. Did you actually grow up in Warrington and you not tell them that? <laughs> yeah, I was the boy with the braces. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure, though, that both of us did have braces and that we were about 13 or 14. And I think mine was behind a music school instead of... What did you say yours was? Tennis courts. The tennis courts. Um, uh, I actually, can't... no, sorry, not the tennis courts, the netball courts. We didn't have ah, tennis courts in our school. Crucial difference. Going through our sort of trawl of what's, what's class and poshness all about... I guess, like, sex and uh, sexual relations, it's quite hard to draw any kind of class lines on it. I think mm. you're absolutely right that working class people probably have a slightly more bawdy sense of humour, if that's fair. So, sometimes, sometimes. But I think some, some people also look at it as being quite crass. So mm. I don't think it's like all working class people have a bawdy sense of humour it, it just feels like it's a little bit more acceptable than it would be yeah that's not that's elsewhere. good way of putting it yeah but I do also think that people that went to um sort of all boys boarding schools and and come from posh background I think generally are a bit more out of touch with this side of themselves and for all the reasons we've discussed mm. a sort of a bit um bit repressed perhaps a bit less com- comfortable <laughs> And I don't even think it's actually, I don't think it's the sex thing. Um, Although I'm sure for some people it definitely, it does come out kind of in the bedroom. I think there's a big part of it, which is talking about your emotions. Right, yeah. I do have a friend who dated a very posh man who would only ever tell her that he loved her during sex. 
Mm, that sounds that... healthy and emotionally well <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they had a conversation that he did feel that way, but only alluded to it when they weren't having sex. But then when they were having sex, that's what he would say. That's very Which is very, very interesting. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's something that we joke about quite a lot, that you sometimes struggle to tell me how you're feeling and feel a bit uncomfortable. Every now and then. <laughs> Certain things. But I think, well, you know, it's something that we've had to work on in our relationship. And I think we're really lucky in that regard because we acknowledge yeah. it. But for a lot of people, they just don't talk about their feelings. And for men, men in particular, that is that can be fatal. Well, I think that that's a very important point that you touched on there. And I think part of what goes into it as well is not only are you not encouraged to uh, sort of verbalise how you're feeling and so you don't really practice it, but you never or, or you don't as often go through the process of actually trying to understand how you feel about something. Mm. You don't even like try to understand how you're emotionally reacting to something, yeah. let alone trying then to verbalise it. Yeah. So it sort of hits you on a couple of levels, I guess. Um, that's that's very interesting. That's a really good yeah. distinction, actually. Kind of, It's quite a skill to be able to identify the exact emotion you're feeling at, at any, given, any given time. Do you think there's an element there as well of this sort of idea of kind of vulnerability and... If you express to somebody that you like them, that's you kind of making yourself really vulnerable. I don't know whether that does have any class distinction um, or not, because it's certainly something that I've like often felt. Um, but I, yeah, I wonder whether this sort of not letting your guard down thing seems to be a quite common theme with boarding school boys. What do you reckon? Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't. That's a really interesting one. I think that's pretty universal, isn't it? That yeah. that sort of fear of being rejected and not wanting to put yourself out there and stuff like that. So I'm not sure that that's uh, unique to boarding schools, but um, maybe it's a little bit more pronounced in them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's an interesting one. I think um, the other thing for us to note as well is that from our conversation, we're talking from the experience of two straight people yeah there's a whole other angle to this if you have same-sex attraction and how mm. that's sort of dealt with in school or in boarding school that feels like at least when we were growing up i really hope it's different now but to be a universally terrible experience for most people in school um yeah like uh, definitely at both schools i was at it was that thing of just you, you describe pretty much anything as gay just to oh be god yeah using gay as an insult it's awful yeah or just like but that was that was what people said wasn't it yeah constantly time. for anything it's, i don't know like do you want to go and play football like now i can't bother to oh don't be gay like what it just makes no sense whatsoever sense. but if you were gay i think it would be extremely hurtful and so i think yeah. you're right that it would be even worse um uh, to be uh, a homosexual man in that environment so all that, in all I wouldn't go back to being a teenager. No. At all. I am no, I so glad. So. <laughs> It'd be quite good to go first. back knowing everything you know now and do it again better. That would be quite good. Um, and I think it'd be a lot more enjoyable. But um, yeah, I agree. That if I could just wind back the clock, <laughs> I probably wouldn't. 
So that was our discussion on sex and sexual relations. Um, I think, I don't know what the main conclusions are. Probably that a lot of the insecurities and hang-ups and stuff are pretty universal, but I think can be even more pronounced in people <laughs> <laughs> that went to places like um, single-sex boarding schools. We would love to hear from everyone, as always. I think especially, like Heather mentioned, if you went to an all-girls boarding school, and what your experience with this stuff has been like and how that might affect you or things now. Um, also, if you're an old Etonian, are you a boob guy? Just let us know. It'd be great to hear. Did your family have a name for your bits? Yeah, so did, did, did your family have a name for your bits? I'm convinced this is a thing and, and also, you've just repressed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I've just blocked it out. And also, did you ever have the conversation? So there's loads of things that we want to hear about. So send us all the messages. Um, a couple of people have been writing in uh, correspondence. So mm-hmm. having missed it last week, it's time again to open the sack and delve in for... Correspondence. So, as Max said, the return of correspondence, we're inundated this week. Um, but we have chosen to do a bit of a correspondence slash come again from our money episode last week. And this is a Insta DM from our dear listener, Angela. Angela wrote in and said, loved episode 10 and the Easter egg, wine emoji. She's looking at you, Max. Um, Interesting that you both only briefly touched on borrowing money, either from friends or via credit cards and mortgages. My dad was open about using credit cards and would do most of the family spending on it rather than his salary. He'd always be on the lookout for the latest offer and would be balance transferring when they ran out. I think this made me think that having a credit card or multiple was the norm. But when I first went to uni and got my first one, I found out that for others it wasn't. Do you have a view on that and how certain classes view borrowing differently? Keep up the good work, H and Max. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't think that there's anything I can think of distinctive about people that I know and their attitudes borrowing or not. I mean, I guess posh people, as we discussed, tend to have more money. Therefore, I guess borrowing tends to be a bit less of a pressing issue. So it might come up a bit less. Mm. In my head, it's sort of more for business stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. For, for furthering business interests um, rather than borrowing or doing like, you know, these contract higher purchases. I think what business was it that went bust recently? Bright House, where you had to mm. basically take out a loan to pay for a couch yeah, and you'd end up paying like double the actual amount yeah, for the absolutely. couch. Yeah, it's the interest. So it's more expensive to borrow if you're poor in the same way that it's just more expensive to be poor in general because of, you know, bulk buying and space to yeah. store things and all of that kind of stuff. Um, my, I guess uh, my family situation was not dissimilar to Angela's growing up. Always knew mum had a credit card. She was always doing the looking out for the latest deal, transferring, Um and yeah that was just like quite a common thing it, it, to be honest like credit cards are a really useful safety net more than yeah, more I than anything that. but i always remember sort of growing up and oh you know oh i'm just going to put it on this on on the credit card not my mum but sort of in soaps or films or whatever it's almost glorified you know putting stuff on the plastic is almost glamorized 
that's so interesting because that is not a phrase or an attitude that I'm familiar with whatsoever. Absolutely not. You struggle to spend it even when you've got it in the plans. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there we go. I think maybe that is the difference then. So um, from my perspective, no, that sort of conversation didn't come up nearly as much. And yeah, that attitude that you've just described there, darling, is, is just not, it's not what I recognise. At the other end of the spectrum as well, we did get a message from a listener who also went to uh, all-boys boarding school who said, I'm the same as you with big money. My friend got upset when we were all supposed to say what we'd do if we won the lottery. One guy would buy a Formula One team, etc. I said I'd stop working, get a van, convert it to a camper van, and then travel <laughs> around with a goat or a chicken. Dream. They didn't enjoy the answer. Um, <laughs> Which I don't think is quite the approach that I'd go with it. Um, but I think illustrates the point that the big ticket flashy items aren't really what appeals. You come at it from another angle, which is, wouldn't it be nice to live much more simply and frugally and you can afford to do that, uh, which is in, in itself a bit of a luxury. Yeah, um, I think the whole big ticket items not necessarily having that much of an appeal is because generally um, you'd already be so close to them, you know, I'm going to assume that if you're posh, you've got a pretty big house already or, you know, at least Audi's in the driveway, (laughs) even if it's not, you know, a Porsche or something, I don't know, hierarchy of cars. So to me, maybe some of the shine and the appeal of it is not there because, well, we're kind of almost there anyway. So what's the appeal in that? It's, It's that common thing of you always want the things that you don't have. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. So look, I'm glad that we stimulated some thoughts and debates amongst everyone. Thanks so much for writing in. Um, We love it when people do. And uh, if you have any further thoughts about money, anything we've spoken about, but in particular, all of the sex questions that we've set the class uh, for this week, then do please write in. If you want to write in, then you can get us on the official channels and earn yourself a jingle and a name check by emailing us at Posh things my boyfriend says at gmail.com or you can send us a DM on Twitter and Instagram at posh things my and uh, thanks everyone again for listening to hit a thousand listens was amazing we look forward to really pressing on to 2000 and if you want to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify I don't think you can review on Spotify actually I'm not but sure. basically Apple Podcasts yeah that will help other people to um, to find us as well thank you very much we'll see you next week Ta-ra. bye <laughs>